Have you ever asked yourself, what's the best way I can contribute to sci-fi and fantasy in the literary world? If you have, the answer is simple. You just have to be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt and host the Sword and Laser podcast. If for some reason you can't be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt, however, don't despair. All is not lost. You can still head over to patreon.com slash swordandlaser and help fund their hard work. Every cent you give adds more swords and more lasers to their growing arsenal of speculative literary goodness. That's patreon.com slash swordandlaser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Mer. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. And we had a wonderful holiday, a happy new year, which leaves us both drinking watery drinks. <laughs> watery things. I'm sick. What's your excuse? I'm tired. I'm We're sick and, sick tired. and tired. Sick and tired of this year already. Uh, no, I'm just having some tea. Uh, you know, I, I didn't like totally like waste myself over the holidays but you know i did i had some wine and some scotch and a whiskey drink a vodka drink now it's time you know it's time to get back to work so i usually if i'm having a wine or a scotch on sword and laser night it's because it's like oh i haven't had a drink you know this is a good excuse to have a little midweek and i've like i've had lots of excuses lately just yeah yeah, I was basically out for two weeks. It was restful. It's been hard yeah. getting back in gear again. I'm having coconut water. Um, coconut water is good for yeah, you. Yeah, a little bit, you know, refreshing, rehydrate. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I did not over imbibe over the trip. I, I basically was like sleep at 9.30, 10 o'clock nice. every night. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so, I was actually yeah. a little sad that the holidays were over. Me too. Um, like, like kind of like not wanting to take the decorations down, but at the same time, the decorations reminding me that it was over. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I took, yeah. I took the stuff down today. Sad, but Hey, you know what goes hey. on? Science fiction and fantasy goes on and the quick burns as always go on. So true. And 2018 is going to bring you a whole new year of amazing things to read. In fact, Cheryl Eddy over at io9 has 24 science fiction and fantasy books that you can add just to your January reading list. io9 does this pretty much every month. They they put out a great list of the things coming out that you'll want to keep an eye on. Uh, so, for instance, Timothy Zahn's Cobra Rebellion series has book three, Cobra Traitor, coming out. Holly Black's The Cruel Prince is the first book in a new series, if you're looking for something like that. There's also a new book from CJ Cherry called mm -hmm. Emergence. Tons of good stuff here. Shauna McGuire has one called yeah. Beneath the Sugar Sky. What I'm really excited about is Nnedi Okorafor has the the third book in her her um in the the Binti series, um, Binti the Night Masquerade, which I've read the first two books for uh, for Vaginal Fantasy actually this month. We did um they're they're short, they're novellas, and mm -hmm. so you can get through them very quickly. Um, but I didn't realize the third one was coming out so soon. So we're doing the first book as the official pick, and then the next two as the you know if you want. If, if you, you have time, yeah, yeah, just kind of like, you know, getting ourselves easily back into the new year and not doing something too challenging, like lengthwise. Um, but they're fantastic. Um, also, Sinless by Sarah Tarkoff. I actually have two copies of that. 
so hmm. that I've been sent. So I might I might uh, read this one in my in my spare time as well, or put one into uh, there's already one in Lem's library. So if you're yeah. excited, if you if you have heard about this book and want to check it out, and you're in one of our Patreon levels for Lem's library, make a claim, make a claim. It's a new month. It's time to to get your book picks in. Yeah, uh, Lem's library is available at uh, at the high level, mm-hmm. um, but there's also uh, uh, secret mail, random mail uh, at the Lem's library card holder. Uh, levels. So who knows? Whether you'll I didn't be. realize you named it that. That's funny. That's yeah. Good. Lem's librarians are the folks who get to pick their books because, you know, they're librarians. And I don't know what this is, but Black Wings of Cthulhu 5, <laughs> uh, 20 New Tales of Lovecraftian Horror is also there, edited by S.T. Yoshi. Um, so I'm definitely going to check that out because I'm a Cthulhu fan. And uh, the winner of the International Prize for Arabic Fiction and France's Grand Prize for Fantasy is Frankenstein in Baghdad by Ahmed Sadawi. Uh, So if you want even more Frankenstein after reading Mary Shelley this month, uh, you might pick that up. Let's let's get this down now before we, we stumble across it later. You've been saying Frankenstein. I've been saying Frankenstein. Am I supposed to say Frankenstein? No, you know, I am I am a victim of my own joke. (laughs) Uh, if you've ever seen young Frankenstein, uh, he says Frankenstein. And so then what'll happen is I'll be like, well, I'm not gonna say Frankenstein every time. So I'll say Frank and then find myself accidentally saying Steen. (laughs) It's Frankenstein. It's It's Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Okay. Yeah. All right. So wait, hold up. So I was saying something right for once. Yes. Yes. No, it's a new new year. It's a whole new year. (laughs) <laughs> Amazing. We also have a post over here um, about the Word Zone. Uh, not about the Word Zone. It's from the Word Zone. Uh, there's a new Stephen Erickson book and interview over there. Um, so you can check that out. It says, uh, Spanish fantasy blog, Night of the Laughing Tree has interviewed Stephen Erickson. It's a very interesting piece. The English translation is towards the bottom of the article with several new pieces of information. Yeah. So the second collected tales of Bachelaine and Corbel Boruch or Barack, will be released on uh, September 20th. Erickson confirmed that he's working on The God Is Not Willing, which is the first volume of the Toblakai trilogy, which is set five years after The Crippled God, and confirmed that they were very close to finalizing a deal for a TV series based on the Malazan universe, but it collapsed at the last Uh. minute. So he's still hopeful that something else can get started, but... Not going to happen this time. Not this time. Uh, but interestingly, um, the the University of Bristol on, on another story uh, used a I, – I said interestingly because it's pouring rain out right now. I don't know if it's raining where you are. No, it's not raining. It uh, never rains in Southern California. But oh, we're, having, we're having a, a storm for once. Uh, not, not, not the uh, polar – bomb bomb vortex that they're having out there. Um, But the University of Bristol used a climate model to simulate Westeros. This is why I was thinking about climate. Uh, There's a mock journal article in English, Dothraki, and High Valyrian credited to Samuel Tarly. Yeah. So they talk about the precession of the planet that would cause the odd seasonal variations described in the book uh, and, and sort of compared the different uh, latitudes uh, describing north of the wall being like Lapland, uh, Lannisport. They they compared to Houston. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, in, in general, in, in its general climate. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, really interesting and and really fun that they actually did real climatology on Westeros and then 
we're like, and uh, let's uh, translate it into Dothraki and High Valerian while we're Just at it. because, why not? why not? Yeah, I feel like there was a something similar to that. Well, well, when we read, um, hmm, what was the the book that was the science known as the science fiction uh, world building size version, almost of Westeros, with the uh, you know, with the um. <laughs> With the, oh, come on, Tom, you know. It starts with the religion in the caves, and then they come out of the caves, and then it's the people that build the new culture, and then the 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 bacteria come up from the warming climate and infect the the, the man creatures that are wo- Spoilers. <laughs> come on, man, you know what I'm talking about. We read it for this show. Uh, yeah, see, my secret for podcasting oh, no. is never start talking about something unless I know the answer. So I have been trying to put off <sighs> responding the to you to me. until I could secretly get to certain laser Heliconia wiki. Spring. To Heliconia where I could Spring. Say Heliconia, Heliconia Spring. Spring. Damn it, you beat me. Well, so the fun thing about that is also that I enjoy doing that because I know the listeners at home are, are screaming into their devices yeah. at Gives me. Gives them a little cathartic, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, so then they get the answer that they're looking <laughs> for, and I can be like, yes, I know, Tazzy Dave, yes, I know, you were screaming yes. at Heliconia your phone right Spring. now. So, yes. so Heliconia, the Heliconia series, absolutely. It reminds um, me of that. Reminds you of that. Yeah. <laughs> cool story, <That> Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool story, bro. Uh, I wonder if anybody's any, done any scientific Heliconia stuff. I thought they did. Did they? I thought that was the case, but I could be making that up. But I feel like there was, or maybe I'm just re- misremembering or thinking about well, how the series for is is certainly based on real science. Yeah, like, like Brian Aldiss did a yeah, lot of research totally. with mm-hmm. climatologists and, yep. and and meteorologists and people to figure out the science behind the book. So. Yeah, so it was, you know, borderline, I would say, hard sci-fi in, in that respect, I mm-hmm. guess, maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because he really p- plotted it out quite quite carefully. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. But yeah, it's cool to see this done with a Westeros take as well. Westerosi take, so it to speak. Is, well, and, and not just fiction. Like, this is mm-hmm. real climatology done by real climatologists. <laughs> In their spare time, I guess. Awesome. Well, yeah, kind of a slow news month so far here in 2018. People are coming back from break, so not a ton going on. But we will jump right into, instead, Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And Tassie Dave to the rescue uh, with a thread about what our favorite books of the 2017 sword and laser picks where I thought this was interesting. Although do you want to know my honest reaction when I first saw this thread? What? Oh no. Veronica's so competitive. Everyone has to pick her books or she'll get mad. (laughs) That didn't even cross my mind. Hmm. That's because people are picking your books or did just never. That's not true. Like Tassie, (laughs) Tassie Dave picked three body problem. That was yours. Long way to a small angry planet. That was yours. And the strange case of the alchemist daughter. That was mine. Granted. Okay. Oh, but sorry. My bad. Well, he did. Okay, those were those his are three, three overall. overall. Yeah, and then he and then broke he it did down. Sword and did, laser. Okay. He's smart. He's like, let me give Veronica her own category. Well, if he well. was really smart, the middle book would have been one that could count both as a sword and a laser. 
Do we have any of those though? I don't know. I'm just saying like if you wanted to be really clever about it, that could be. I don't be. think we gave them anything like that this year. I mean, the only the closest thing to that would be the March Madness pick, which yeah. isn't your pick particularly, although it is sword. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't go through and actually pull out a big consensus. A lot of people really liked Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, which is cool. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, three body problem was picked a couple times, left hand of darkness, the, a lot, a lot for the invisible library as well, Mm -hmm. um, which I also really enjoyed. So yeah, there's some, definitely some themes going on here for sure. Um, I don't know. I really liked the strange case of the alchemist daughter. That was one of my favorites, but, Mm -hmm. um, and I liked the invisible library quite a bit too. I'm looking at the list now. So in January, we had Three Body Problem, then we had The Salt Roads, then we had Gateway, then The Invisible Library, then Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, then The Hum and the Shiver, Left Hand of Darkness, The Gunslinger, Heliconia Spring, The Strange Case of the Alchemist Daughter, Doomsday Book, and California Bones. Okay. So yeah, th- I think there's some standouts for me for sure. Um, I loved California Bones, which I've talked about a lot. I know that wasn't quite as popular with the with the group as it was with us, I think, for, for various reasons, perhaps. Um, we say that about every book, though. You realize that. Do we? Pretty much every month we say, well, this wasn't popular with the group. There was a real split feeling about it do we just like things too much are we just too nice we have a large group of people so there's always going to people be people who don't like stuff and people tend to talk about what they don't like more than what they like so it always feels every month like it's split and there's a lot of people who don't like it because you know what i'll have an unpopular opinion i'll have an unpopular opinion about something i don't really like the three body problem that much (gasps) Like I didn't really like. I couldn't like. I, I liked it okay. I just couldn't really like. It took me a long time to get into. I, I know, have it in my hand. That's weird that you just it's have it right, right there. Like, me. why are you holding I it? it you, like, why you just like hold it all the time? Or it's like a teddy bear. It's creepy. <laughs> Although you know what, when I was putting together my top three, it didn't make it in any. Uh, all right. I liked it a lot. Though. I thought it was brilliant. I thought yeah. it was like really well written and very smart. But I just didn't. It didn't grab me the same way. I really liked our spring. Apparently, I'm having a hard time bringing it down to four, though. So the Invisible Library, Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, and the Hum and the Shiver. That was three three hit months. I that really was liked quarter. the Hum and the Shiver. I really those, liked the Hum and the Shiver. Those were great. Um, and, and no disrespect, I liked all of our books this year. There's not one that I didn't like, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those three were great. California Bones is bumping right up there against that. And I don't know which one I, uh, I don't know. Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, though, is my top for the year, though. Is your top. That was my, yeah. And and when I say that, I, I think Three Body Problem is probably the best book we read this year as in, in sort of a literary evaluation of say, a good book. Yeah, I guess I would say Three Body Problem, Salt Roads, and- yeah, It's Salt Roads, too. Yeah. Probably like The Left Hand of Darkness. Mm-hmm. But the one I enjoyed the most because it, it's it's a little bit about expectations being exceeded and just sort of an irrational like need to go read it mm-hmm. when when it you know versus like oh I I should read it's like no I'm gonna make time I'm gonna find time because I'm enjoying it so much that's a long way to a small angry planet well yeah so I guess for me it would be California Bones and the Strange Case of the Alchemist Daughter because 
I went out and bought all the books and immediately yeah. read all the books in California Bones in that series. And I went out and, and got the next one from Becky Chambers, too. Um, I did not do that, which I own it already. Mm-hmm. So that I don't know if I was just busy around that time or, or what. I, I will. No, I did read it. Never mind. I'm a liar. Totally read it. Totally. So, yeah. See, my problem is that I still haven't finished it because I can never read for pleasure. so a closed in common orbit is still like 85 percent like i've i read it a bunch over the break uh but then james s.a Corey came out with persepolis rising yeah i was late to that usually i read start reading that on day one i was late i just started that last week i had Uh, some robin hobbs show up in my kindle uh, and so that was a problem that i had to take care of immediately Um, so hard to read things i know and then the new tad williams came out and then you had Tad Williams writing fan fiction about you. Okay. Should we, do we talk about that? That's kind uh, I of get, I'm giving you, you don't have to feel weird about bringing it up because I just brought it up. All right. So I did that. All right. Side note, sidebar. We're, we're, we're doing a rabbit hole for a second. Yeah, yeah. I did that Facebook thing like where I don't know if you've seen this meme. It was extremely popular where it was like, even if we don't know each other very well, write about a time, write about a fond memory that you have of, of us spending time together. It's one of those like, mm, say nice things about me yeah, like yeah. messages. And I was like, right. I'm depressed. I'm going to post this and have happy messages come. But it's a nice one. It You're is not, a nice it's, one. It's, it's not one where, it, where if, when, when you finally showed it to me over text message, because I never read Facebook, um, I was like, oh, okay. Because you, like, it was, it was, you were like, oh, I, was, I was fishing for compliments. I can't remember what you said, something like that. And when I read it, I was like, oh, no, that's not that bad. You're, you're asking people to remember a nice thing. So they get something out of it, too. Yeah. I said, that feeling when you write a sad sack Facebook post and your favorite author sad writes fan sack, fiction about you. <laughs> So, right. So a bunch of people were just writing the things you would expect. Like, oh, that one time when we did that one thing and it was so fun. And then Ted Williams wrote something. It was in the Civil War. I stayed home minding the plantation and you left to fight the Yankees. We had no slaves, of course, but we fought anyway because we were pretty certain the Yankees would take away our grits. On the day you came back, I made a tuxedo out of the curtains and we killed and roasted a carpetbagger. I'll never forget. I hope you haven't. (laughs) So what I love about this is he's obviously like, I'm going to write something really dramatic. Civil War. and We're fighting the Yankees. Oh, crap. I don't want people to think we're on slaves. (laughs) So I better say that right away. (laughs) So I just that really that that cracked me up. I I had a I had a good good laugh at that made me feel good. So that's my thing. That's the thing that cheered me up. The other thing we did over the break that was really fun uh, was the text message special Christmas Day podcast. Oh, yes. Did I put that in this section? I sure did. It's okay, the very awesome. next thing. Hence me bringing it up. Hence you moving the show along. <laughs> how, how good of you. <laughs> yes, Mark posted uh, that Veronica and Tom are guests on the text text message. That's T-E-C-H text message holiday special podcast discussing the search for extraterrestrial intelligence interplanetary travel and the science behind science fiction based on the themes raised in carl sagan's book and film contact that was so much fun first of all i'm a big fan of pamela gay and we got to be on the show with pamela gay which was crazy cool 
Yes. And so we had a really good time. Um, Tom and I both re I, you did you re- reread the book, right? I did. I watched the movie and I got most of the way through the book <laughs> before we recorded and then I finished it afterwards. Man, that book is great. Although anyone who follows book. my Goodreads is going to think I, I'm lying and I just finished it today because I realized this morning that I'm like, oh, I never marked it as red. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you didn't get it in time for your Goodreads challenge. <laughs> no, I didn't. I forgot that one. Did Although, you Did you get your challenge on- done anyway? Um, I didn't, I don't really pay attention. You don't pay time. attention to your challenge. Do I have a challenge? Yeah, well, I, I said I was going to read my baseline is 24 books. Oh, I, I, my challenge is read all the sword and laser books and maybe try to read something else. Ah, okay. <laughs> I read really slow. I, I, I think I got to like 28 or something, 28 or 29. I now don't you remember. got me wondering, how do I, how do I, I find... don't know how you go back to, le- uh, I think it's on your profile somewhere. If I look at my books, will it tell me how many I read last year? Maybe. 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 Oh, we don't have any group challenges for Sword and Laser. We should do that. Well, we should fix that. Yeah, I don't know how to do that. There's so much on Goodreads I don't know how to do. (laughs) After all these years and after being (laughs) an advisor, I still don't know all the things that Goodreads does. I want to read blank books in 2018. Okay, so I read in 2017, I read 27 books of 24 and I've beaten my challenge every year that I've done it so far. Yeah, I never do this. So, oh, oh, well, Aww. I want to read twelve books. There you go. <laughs> um. So anyway, go back back to text message. Yes. Um. Yeah, we had a really nice time on the show. It was great. You guys should definitely give it a listen. Um. I I you know it was really cool hearing uh. Pamela, Dr. Dr. Gay's um, like commentary about like the actual science and what's possible and what people are doing now to to reach out to potentially extraterrestrial life uh, out in the universe and beyond. Um, and warnings about and warnings life, about that extraterrestrial life. Yeah. yeah, so I think it was it was really fun to do, and and we talked about other other books and and films that have done a really great job with those themes, including Arrival, um, which we all really enjoyed. So yeah, I think it was a it was a fun, really interesting and informative show. I think for me, yeah, even to not- be on. I was surprised even being on it that it was not just about contact. We, mm-hmm. we talk a fair amount about the book, but we talk a lot about just aliens in general. And we talked a lot about fictional representations of alien contact scenarios. So mm-hmm. if you're like, mm, I'm not that big of a fan of contact. If you're a big fan of aliens in fiction, you're probably going to enjoy it anyway. I think we touched on three body problem as well. I believe we did. Yes. So that's another, that was another really great representation and something that feels very true to how the world would handle that potentially handle that kind of scenario. Veronica didn't admit how much she hates three body problems. Not on that show. No, (laughs) he's cradling the book again. You guys, I can see him. He's holding it against his heart. (laughs) It just really brings him great comfort or something. (laughs) Book. I don't know. Um, so this is a funny story that I wanted to touch upon. I think we missed it in the uh, one of the last December episodes. Um, but Michelle writes, so if you're not on Reddit in our books or our fantasy uh, or an io9 fan, you may have missed this little gem that has people laughing so hard they cry. 
And uh, I went over to the the Ionine post about it because I hadn't heard about it. But there is this project called Botnik, and uh, it has written a Harry Potter chapter using predictive keyboards and also based on information that it has gathered from J.K. Rowling's writing style and tone. And so it's kind of like really weird and kind of surreal, but also makes sense in a way. Um, they call it continuity agnostic. Um, so you should, so for example, okay, let me just read an example and then you guys can, can kind of get the, the vibe of what's happening here. So basically it's like an AI, it's a, it's an algorithm that's writing, writing a, a chapter of Harry Potter based on what it's being fed. Voldemort, you're a very bad and mean wizard, Harry savagely said. Hermione nodded encouragingly. The tall Death Eater was wearing a shirt that said, Hermione has forgotten how to dance, so Hermione dipped his face in mud. Ron threw a wand at Voldemort and everyone applauded. Ron smiled. Ron Ron reached for his wand slowly. Ron's the handsome one, Harry muttered as he reluctantly reached for his. They cast a spell or two, and jets of green light shot out of the Death Eaters' heads. Ron flinched. Not so handsome now, thought Harry, as he dipped Hermione in hot sauce. The Death Death Eaters were dead now, and Harry was hungrier than he'd ever been. Okay, this is a little better than the last one. You remember we've 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 heard this song before. Now. This is predictive text with a keyboard Mm -hmm. about... A year and a half ago, someone trained a recurrent neural network on the first four Harry Potter books and then asked it to produce a chapter. And this is an excerpt from that one. The Malfoys, said Hermione. Harry was watching him. He looked like Madame Maxine when she strode up the wrong staircase to visit himself. I'm afraid I've definitely been suspended from power. No chance. Indeed, said Snape. (laughs) (laughs) So it's gotten better because what you read... It sounds was like silly, but made sense. This is almost jar- garbledy gook here. All right, here's the best one that everyone was cracking up over. The three compete friends zapped onto the landing outside the door to the castle roofed roof. They almost liked it, but witches are not climbing. Ron <laughs> looked at the doorknob and then looked at Hermione with searing pain. I think it's closed. He noticed. Locked, said Mr. Staircase, Staircase, the shabby-robed ghost. They looked at the door, screaming about how closed it was and asking it to be replaced with a small orb. <laughs> the password was beef women, Hermione cried. Okay, so not that much better, to be honest. <laughs> that second, second section, a little, yeah. uh, little off, a little off. But thank so, you, Michelle, for pointing us to this because I had not seen this new one. Forget the Turing test. This is our new... Uh, benchmark for progress in, <laughs> in predictive text and neural networks. Daniel on the on the forum says, fantastic. In an odd way, it kind of reminds me of the first few pages of a Mieville or Vinge book, the confusing time before you wrap your head around the world they're spinning for you. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Also, beef women would feel right at home in Perdido Street Station next to the insect head women. Could be best friends with Lynn. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I wonder if uh, if we trained this predictive text keyboard on Ulysses by James Joyce if we'd even notice. <laughs> uh, speaking of the classics, should we talk about our book of the month pick? Yes, uh, it is time to talk about Frankenstein <laughs> by Mary Shelley. Uh, Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus uh, was originally published on January first, eighteen eighteen. So it's exactly 200 years old. 
200 uh, years old. More than 200 years old. Uh, it is a science fiction novel. Uh, in other words, it involves science. It involves characters dealing with so- the science of the day in a fictional way. Uh, it is possibly the first modern science fiction novel. Now, Arguably, yes. There's lots of arguments about this. Uh, but Brian Aldiss, who we mentioned earlier, is actually one of the defenders saying it's, you know, a lot of the pr- prior novels or stories that are, are are put forth as the first science fiction story aren't novels, first of all. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't count. And Frankenstein, Frank, Frank Frankenstein <laughs> is the first one where the character makes a decision motivated by real science. Now it's mm-hmm. not hard science because he sort of jumps over the eye, you know, the details about how he is able to animate <laughs> the corpse. <laughs> right. Uh, but it, it is all motivated by the real science of the day. So it is it is taking its cues from science, and the main characters' motivations and actions are all motivated by science. Where a lot of the other stories put forth as as potential, you know, like Gull- Gulliver's Travels, mm-hmm. they're just fantastical. And they may have scientific elements to them, but Gulliver isn't motivated by science. Right. And in that sense, it almost feels fantastical, something like that, like Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. Um, and so I, I yeah, there's some there argu- other. I, I went through a lot of these in, in the book briefing that's up on mm-hmm. Patreon. Um, there's a lot of stories that have to do with like trips to the moon, you know, going back much farther in history than you would think. But again, they're fantastical trips to the moon. They're not saying, and this is how we did it. We built the ship and we had propellant. You know, right, there, there's right. no science behind it. It's just like, we uh, we, did, we went to the moon and there were <laughs> moon people there. And that was fun. Uh, so maybe that's more space opera. I don't know. That's a that's a big distinction for sure. That's like a, that, I guess that, that really is what people are holding on to when they decide what makes it science fiction versus fantasy in, in mm-hmm. these, at least in the, in the older novels where there's you know less distinction um but yeah this is why i would say pretty widely regarded as the the first science fiction novel at least in popular culture the word zone has a great post up about sort of the various people who claim different things are mm-hmm. are science fiction like true history by lucian of samo sada uh again not a novel 150 ad uh military conflict with aliens but not a lot of science to it. Jonathan Swift's Gulliver Travels, I mentioned. Uh, Isaac Asimov and Carl Sagan argued for Johann Kepler's Somnium, which came out in 1634. Uh, but, Adam points out on the word zone, the book's narrative also features fantastical elements such as demons, right? Uh, which a lot of people argue would disqualify. So does that, make it, does that make it urban fantasy? Yeah, it's the first, it's urban, the first fantasy. urban fantasy. Okay. Uh, Margaret Cavendish's The Blazing World from 1666 uh, was written as a way to get attention to her nonfiction work. So there's an argument that there's some real science in there. Uh, however, some hold that Cavendish's nods at science were more of an excuse to explore a world of talking animals. <laughs> so, so that was the first. Like, Go- that's what the Golden Compass is based on. Yeah, talking animals. It's so, it's through a portal through the North Pole, I believe. I know, how right? You talk to the, Golden so, Compass just basically. ripped all this off from Margaret Cavendish. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Brian Aldiss makes the. The main, uh, he, he's sort of the leader of the group that says, no, Frankenstein is the first modern science fiction novel. And we know uh, that man can do some research. Yeah, he can. So I, 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 I tend to believe him. 
Anyway, I, I don't think it matters whether it is or isn't. It's certainly a seminal work in science fiction history, and we can have a productive civil discussion about whether we think it really should qualify. I kind of think it does in that in that way of saying it is the first modern science fiction novel. But like anything, a lot of times there isn't a first because it just slowly evolves from things mm-hmm. like yeah. the Iliad and the Odyssey into like, well, what if we go to the moon? And then science evolves and science becomes something that isn't just philosophy anymore. Science separates off and you kind of can't have science fiction before that happens. So anyway, uh, I think there's lots of fun to be had kicking those ideas around. Absolutely. Um, One of the big questions that a lot of our forum members had was which edition should they be reading? Uh, Because of course, there were changes between the 1818 and the 1831 version So I guess they include an addition of an inner life for Victor, uh, which portrays him slightly more sympathetically, uh, the general softening of the characters, and then the revision of of the family and blood ties so that Elizabeth is no longer Victor's first cousin uh, and is much more angelic. Um, I'm reading the 1818 version. Um, Do you know which one you're reading? I'm reading the 1831 version. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, Elizabeth is definitely uh, Victor's first cousin in my yeah. book. So I'm, I'm not sure how that I, – I feel like we can't really have a spoiler discussion about this book as it I is mean, the oldest science fiction book. Exactly. We've <laughs> had 200 is years, the, people. The statute of limitations on that, is that over for spoilers? I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. If there's something when you're reading it that you're surprised by mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, this isn't something that has been alluded to in every horror gothic <laughs> fiction movie or novel that I've ever read, right. then yeah, maybe we'll hold off on that. Okay. Uh, but a lot, a lot of this stuff is just seeped into the general culture. And I think that's another reason that Frankenstein is worth celebrating is you'll find that this book feels both familiar and unfamiliar at the same time because all of its major events are tropes at this point that Mary Shelley created. I, I think especially considering we did just read The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter, we're getting that Justine story now. Um, which is oh, right. which is yeah. pretty cool. And like we've heard her retelling of it, uh-huh. and now we're seeing the perspective from Victor. Um, and so that's and Ellen Elizabeth. And so that's that's an interesting take to to have that other fictionalized version kind of running in the background of my mind about what her future experiences are going to be short lived though they may be. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it, that that's kind of cool to and we talked about that at the time we knew we were going to come back and read mm-hmm. read Frankenstein later. So I, I'm happy to have that experience too. I do uh I do think you'll find something unfamiliar about it because you think you know the story so well mm-hmm. uh that you'll be surprised especially at the beginning if you if you haven't read it in a long time or if you haven't read it at all uh it really feels like Herman Melville fanfic yeah yeah for like the first few chapters like you could tell Mary Shelley was really like, man, people love that Moby Dick. So I'm going to throw a lot of Moby Dick stuff. I'm even going to refer to an albatross in here. Like it, it's making cultural illusions of the day. And you'll be like, wait, is this Frankenstein? Like what's going on? This feels yeah. like just an adventure like, Who is novel. this guy? Like, where yeah. is he going? Oh, is that the, is, is, is that the monster? Like what, what is going on? Like who is the, why are they on a ship? And, uh, and so that was, that was actually pretty neat. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. I, I hadn't really thought about that or, or known about that aspect of it. 
And I think the other thing, and this might be a little bit spoilery if you've never read the original before. So I'll give you a fair warning Mm -hmm. to to back off. But the moment that the, the monster is animated... It's almost a little disappointing. Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh shit, he's like, oh shit, it's a wig. It's it's a oh, okay. It I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. Like this is awful. And he's just yeah. like, he's depressed for like yeah. six months. Whereas we, you know, we've seen so many movies where it's this dramatic moment where the switch is thrown mm-hmm. and Igor. There's laughs not even any Igor. And, no, I know no, no, none of that. That's all Boris Karloff stuff. That was all added later. I was yes, I I think we're we're kind of kicking this off right now, so I think I can talk about the very beginning of the book. But like when he he just has this monster that he's building in his apartments, and then he like it wakes up one day and he gets totally freaked out and he just goes for a walk and he comes back later when his friend shows up and like peeks through the door to see if the guy's gone. He's like, like, Oh thank God it's gone. Like you don't even think for a second, like, Oh my God, this murderous creature that I've created is somewhere roaming the streets of this town. He just like basically kind of like stops thinking about it. I mean, he's depressed and upset, but he's like not thinking about the, yeah, it feels very 19th century to me that you would be like, uh, someone who's unacceptable to polite society. Let's just hope they go away. Yeah, okay. Oh, good. That's good. That's true. All right. I, I'll buy that. That's a good point. Well, that's that's how I read it. Because I'm like, really? You're just going to be like, that's oh, we're, we don't need to look for him or anything. Forget it. He's gone. No, Yay. He, he hopes he does not run into him. He's yeah. like not. He's like the opposite of looking for him. The modern story would be like, we have to form a search party. We have to stop this thing before it kills. Right. And in the 19th century, they're like, well, as long as it stays out of the drawing room, <laughs> it's fine. Hopefully it's in the woods somewhere. I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, so I thought I got a kick out of that. Um, but I, I just think it's so badass that she wrote this at 18. Like, you know, yeah. wow. Like that is amazing. Like what a talent. Even if Percy Shelley, who was her husband, uh, assisted her, this is her story. Like she created this story. Um, and, and, and there's been a lot of scholarship on this. So this isn't me just making up like, I'm pretty sure she wrote it. Like mm-hmm. you look at her other writings that she did after Percy died. It's the same style. That's mm-hmm. it's not that he, he wrote it and then she put her name on it. She, she wrote it. Did, did he help her? There's, there's all kinds of arguments about how much he might've helped her. Uh, but who doesn't bounce ideas off of other writers and get help from them? Of course right. she would get help from Percy Shelley. I don't think that undermines the, the accomplishment at all because to have anything come out of this that is hers at that age with this fantastic story that still resonates, right? Mm-hmm. That 200 years later, people have retold and retold to the point that it's part of culture. That's insane. Yeah. It's very cool. Well, read along with us. We are still very early in January. Uh, whichever version you prefer, it's up to you guys. Story's going to be basically the same. I the the beats of the story are the same. It's when you get close in about motivations and things that that these little changes she made will mm. have an effect. Mm-hmm. Read my version; it's cooler. My version's the best. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening of course as always our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons thank you so much to the folks who back our show if you want to help support us head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser you can also support the show by buying books you guys like books right uh go to swordandlaser.com slash picks and click on some books that you want to buy and that'll help the show and it'll help you and everybody wins let's go do it swordandlaser.com slash picks 
If you want to get in touch with us, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. <laughs> swordandlaser.com. The website is swordandlaser.com. Again, uh, you can <laughs> join in on our discussions at goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And call and leave us a voicemail, 4157-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.